0: Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge and welcome to I Feel Like a Fake, How to Stop Imposter Syndrome, Sapping Your Client's Self-Esteem. The exaggerated esteem in which my life work is held makes me very ill at ease. I feel compelled to think of myself as an involuntary swindler. So who might have said that? Actually, that was Albert Einstein. Even Einstein there was admitting that on some level, sometimes at least, he felt a bit of a fraud. Now, James, a, a client of mine, lived in fear that it'd be uncovered as a fraud at any moment. And he knew this fear was illogical. His PhD in computer science, years of experience, and having way more qualifications than most of the people he worked with, proved it. Okay. Yet he still sometimes felt like an imposter in his work. Kathy, a counselling psychologist, put it um, slightly differently. She said, I feel like a fake when I'm teaching the new students. Like, who am I to tell them how things should be done? I feel tormented by a sense of unworthiness that makes me doubt myself at every moment. And on it goes, person after person feeling that they shouldn't really be, they're just getting away with it, you know. in in their situation in life. Qualified, able and conscientious people feeling tormented by thoughts of not being the real deal. Fears of being found out, exposed and uncovered as the imposter they feel themselves to be rip away at their self-esteem like an inner sadistic heckler who just won't shut up. Imposter syndrome is something to be overcome in order to thrive in life and work as well especially when objectively speaking, you are the real deal. So what do we know about imposter syndrome? Well, we know for one thing that it can shrivel self-esteem, but also derive from low self-esteem. Feeling like you're a fraud really means feeling unable to internalize one's own achievements and abilities and talents. And it's often accompanied by feelings of being overvalued, perhaps, by other people, a discomfort with positive feedback. And in this way, we can see that it has parallels with a low self-esteem. You know, People with low self-esteem uh, tend to feel uncomfortable, even affronted, by compliments or positive feedback. Imposter syndrome is not considered a psychological disorder as such, but studies in the 1980s found that two out of five successful people consider themselves to be frauds and overvalued. Okay, so that's a lot of successful people feeling not like the real deal. This means that, and believe me, arithmetic is, is my strong point, there are millions of capable, smart, able folk who are selling themselves short and not really fulfilling their professional destinies. So who is most likely to fall prey to this negatively distorted sense of who they are? Well, guess what? It's those good folks who tend to be efficient, skilled, conscientious, and prone to guilt, who are most likely to experience imposter syndrome. So essentially, imposter syndrome is the bias of low self-esteem clashing against the rocks of disconfirming positive feedback and the discomfort that causes. We feel fraudulent when we feel overvalued. In a way, imposter syndrome is delusional. But don't get me wrong here. You know, there there are real imposters and fake imposters, so to speak. Imposter syndrome isn't a psychotic delusion. You know, people uh, with imposter syndrome understand cognitively that that they are qualified and experienced enough. It's not that that's the problem. It's a feeling, it's just that they feel that they're not really up to the position they occupy, that somehow there's a lurking doubt that they're not really, you know, who they should be, okay, or who they appear to be. Now, of course, some people really aren't up to it. The uh, Denning Kruger effect, where people feel uh, more qualified than their skill actually demonstrates, is is, is quite a thing as well. Um, But a genuine imposter, for example, might well have gaps in their skills, you know, gaps in their knowledge or ability that gets in the way of doing their jobs well and can lead to problems. Real imposters, however, tend to have an elevated rather than a diminished sense of entitlement and really worry about feeling fraudulent. Okay. One aspect of a psychopath, for example, not all frauds are psychopaths, but one aspect is very low neuroticism, not tending to worry about stuff. Uh, you know, They're much too busy being fraudulent to worry about being frauds, Now, then there are those who are not fraudulent, but incompetent. And there are two kinds of incompetence. The first, know that they're inept, recognize they're not up to it, and seek to put matters right, either by getting suitable training or looking for another position more suited to their skill level. The second kind of incompetent, uh, don't know it and just keep bungling along, assuming they're doing a wonderful job. The long and the short of it is that imposter syndrome is not some kind of psychotic delusion, but more a bias of feeling. So how might we be able to help people transcend imposter syndrome, this most pernicious of self-limiting distortions? Well, tip number one, don't try to argue them out of it. Okay, but people have probably already tried that. Like any self-esteem issue, imposter syndrome is a kind of extremist thinking, a belief and beliefs can be strong. Even if they're self-damaging ones, they can be cherished to the point that some people are prepared to die for beliefs, as we know. So just contradicting someone's belief system uh, with good intentions can be disrespectful and diminish rapport with that person. So my point here is that a strong belief can sometimes be strengthened rather than weakened by direct, though well-intentioned, contradiction. So consider this, you know, people suffering from imposter syndrome quickly brush aside any proof of success as something else. Okay, so rather than it being proof that they're worthy, you know, it was just luck or timing or other people being nice or the result of uh, managing to convince others that they're, they're more intelligent or competent than they really are. So they f- look for other reasons other than them being good as to why um, positive things seem to happen. Imposter syndrome is a highly efficient way of discounting positive feedback. So trying to counter it directly with direct positive feedback isn't the way to go here. Positively motivated contradiction is still contradiction. And contradiction of any sort isn't great for rapport. Listen to their concerns without prematurely assaulting them with uh, contradiction and positivity. As when approaching any form of extreme belief, we need to be both subtle and respectful if we're to have any hope of modifying our clients' feelings or loosening them, their beliefs and their perspectives so that different facets of life can come into view. Tip number two, bring in Dunning-Kruger. Rather than confronting someone's negativity head on, I might later in the conversation, perhaps as a non sequitur, so it's more attention focusing, Say something like, you know, I can't help being reminded by all of this of the Dunning-Kruger effect. That's the phenomenon researchers have identified where the poorest performers are the least aware of their lack of competence and the best performers feel overvalued because they just can't believe that other people can't do what they do so well and naturally then i change the subject and talk about something else. So I've just introduced an idea there as a non sequitur, talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect, and then moved on. And this is an example of seeding an idea for the unconscious mind, maybe coming back to it later on. And for seeding to work, it should be presented as indirectly as possible and left alone long enough to take in the mind of the listener undisturbed by the conditioned responses of the conscious mind. Describing known patterns, such as both the Dunning-Kruger effect and imposter syndrome, is a great way of presenting reality objectively and leaving someone to pattern match themselves for themselves. Okay. If you plant a seed in the earth, you need to leave it alone for a while to let it grow. This allows them to see the truth of their own cognitive distortion more easily from the outside, thereby loosening its grip on them. Okay, and it's very different from me just saying, oh, you know, you've just got imposter syndrome or something. But I want to stress that it's not so effective to just jump in straight in with this immediately after they indicate they have been feeling like a fraud. Okay, ideas that will help strengthen their objective, mindful, observing self can be presented later when they're less anxious to defend their limitations. The final tip is one I have found to be incredibly powerful in loosening all forms of imposter syndrome. So, tip number three, remind them that it's all made up. When somebody is really efficient, creative, driven or able in any way, it can be hard for them to understand that not everyone finds what they can do so easily or is even possible for other people to do, you know, because it might feel natural and easy for you to uh, Dance Swan Lake. doesn't mean that everyone else could naturally and easily do it either. You, b- you might not be able to believe that they can't. Okay, so that's clear. But there is, I think, another reason why millions of people can feel perfectly genuine when some title or role is bestowed upon them. And when you clarify this for people, and maybe even yourself, it can feel like a huge relief. You can remind people that all institutions, all titles, all organisations, all fields of study, all departments, all job titles and all august and traditional academic and professional bodies were at one time simply made up, imagined, dreamed up, invented and instituted by someone. An idea like this is often best presented while the client is wrapped within a deep, satisfying and relaxed trance state. I might present it to them something like this. I might say, you know, when you think about it, and when you feel about it, it's not surprising that so many people fall into feeling somehow that they're an imposter. Maybe it's because it's easy to forget that everything was, at one time or another, dreamed up by someone, because it's all made up. Humankind started off pretty basic, maybe living in trees with other primates alongside us. And after a time we came down from the trees, but we didn't find Cambridge University or Harvard or the tax office or electoral engineering jobs or psychologists already waiting for us at the bottom of those trees. We had to make those things up eventually, and it's all made up. We were a bunch of primates in trees and at some time in our history, someone invented universities, medical establishments, legal procedures, titles, and it was all made up. And through the ages, all that stuff was simply made up from make-believe by someone, ideas that came into someone's head, you know, a process that began tens of thousands of years ago in the seeds of the imagination as paintings on cave walls. It was all made up. And that's fine. You can be cool and relaxed with that and maybe even be an innovator yourself. And the best part is, it's all made up and you don't have to think about it. And people are so often overawed by institutions and job titles and ancient professional bodies, so it can just be great to contextualise all of that. Healthy self-esteem isn't about seeing yourself in unwaveringly positive terms, but clearly and fairly in the context of your life. Low confidence leaks energy by creating unnecessary chronic stress. When someone breaks through imposter syndrome, they can really start to live their life with total energy and focus. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge and if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk.com slash blog, that's unk.com slash blog. Mm-hmm.